All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today you are getting my takeaways from the Rams win over the Bengals in the big game, as well as our first mock draft Monday of the offseason, where we talk about the Falcons taking a pass catcher at the top of the 2022 NFL Draft. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, R-I-P, still going strong on Twitter, at falcfans, and of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And of course, I want to thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify, and of course, free and available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel and give us a like when you do. So today we're talking about the sort of Super Bowl takeaways, and then we'll get into our Mock Draft Monday. Uh, As far as Super Bowl takeaways, they're not particularly profound. I'm not necessarily a big believer in doing what a lot of people do, which is look at the team that won the Super Bowl and be like, that's how you got to build it. You got to copy what they did and how they built it or whatever the case may be. As far as sort of the Rams building it the right way, like my biggest takeaways are, are twofold from the front office standpoint, like Les Snead was able to do the thing that Dimitrov was not able to do, which is make the moves to get the Rams over the hump after they got, you know, beat in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And they were able to sort of reload, reset and get back and, and win it this year. And of course, I'm sure Thomas Dimitrov would love to sort of go back and, and do redo some moves that they made, uh, the Falcons made from like that 2010 through 2013 and certainly 2014 era uh, where they were not able to successfully uh, get over the hump and, and ultimately win a Super Bowl for, for the Falcons then. And then my other takeaway from a coaching standpoint is just like Sean McVay uh, seems to be able to overcome all the coaching turnover uh, and, and still get the most out of his football team year after year uh, for the most part. And certainly we're able to do that. Uh, this game, I, I looked it up. Like when you look at the like, 20 assistants that were made up of that McVay staff when he first arrived in L.A. back in 2017, I think only two guys are still left. The wide receivers coach and the secondary coach are still there uh, from that group. So they've been able to lose a bunch of coaches uh, and, you know, people part of the front office, the Detroit Lions general managers from that front office, uh, and be able to still maintain a relative high degree of success. But from the game itself, you know, nothing super profound. I was impressed with the Bengals. I think you can make the argument that they outplayed the Rams for most of this game. I thought the Bengals did a really great job not losing the battle along the line of scrimmage for the first half of the game. We saw the, the Rams pass rush kind of start to assert itself in the second half of the game, they seem to make some adjustments to be able to get some one-on-ones and Von Miller and Aaron Donald, as well as others, were able to assert themselves a little bit more starting in that third quarter where we thought the Bengals offensive line would be sort of being teed off all game long. And that was not the case until the second half of the game. But my biggest takeaway was probably the officiating. Uh, if, if I'm being completely honest and longtime listeners know I'm not a big believer in blaming the officiating for the uh, the outcome of a game. Uh, I, I'm not going to do that here. But, you know, if I'm a Bengals fan, 
I would be pretty upset right now because this game was kind of called a certain way uh, for like 58 minutes. There was like four penalties in the first 58 minutes of the game. And then there were like three consecutive penalties on that Rams sort of uh, game winning drive at the end. Uh, And they seem to be calling everything after not calling anything the entire game. And certainly while I wouldn't sit here and be like, you know, we can probably rehash, you know, what was a missed call or whatever the case may be. But I, I wouldn't sit here and be like, oh, they missed this call and that cost us the game or anything like that. But it's just like you want to have an even game. And we've seen the officiating really kind of rear its ugly head throughout the postseason uh, for and against teams. And, you know, the, the Bengals got a, a gift of a call in an earlier playoff game. And it seemed like they got a couple of calls against them in this game. So you, you win some, you lose some sort of thing. Um, but like you, you just kind of wish that the officiating was not going to be a talking point at the end of these games as they have been throughout, you know, this postseason and throughout the last couple of seasons. So that was kind of my main takeaway from this game. But obviously, if you've been listening to the podcast or watching the podcast, you've known for a long time that I've been, you know, crowing about how, you know, back on February 8th of 2021, I put in a bet for the Rams to win the Super Bowl. So you know who I was rooting for, trying to make a little bit of money, uh, a little bit of scratch here, uh, you know, for this game. And I was successfully able to do that. So I was definitely rooting for the, the Rams. And, and if you were worried about, oh, no, Aaron, uh, he called his shot a year ago and it's going to only make him more arrogant. And you, you know, you got another thing coming because I'm going to, you know, I got people out there being like, Aaron, you've got to be more humble on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, no, my friend, if you thought my ego was going to shrink uh, now, then by all means, you are in for a rude awakening. Last takeaway before we move on to Mock Draft Monday is the halftime show was great. You know, I, I do have some notes, though. I, I probably would have flipped the order of Kendrick and, and Eminem. I would have liked to seen sort of since Kendrick is more the future of hip hop than the past, you know, to have the future at the end of the show. Uh, closer to the end of the show. Uh, but, uh, you know, I get what it is. But, uh, you know, great halftime show, one of the best they've ever done, if not the best that they've ever done. Uh, so that was great to see. And that was probably the highlight of the evening, to be honest with you. Uh, but a great game overall. Coop my hats out for the Bengals. Tough loss, obviously. If you guys want to get more profound insights into the ins and outs of this game, of course, locked on Bengals, locked on Rams. Locked on NFL, Peacock and Williamson are going to be some of the places that you can go. Of course, you can find all of those shows on a variety of podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. But we're going to turn our attention now to Mock Draft Monday, the first of 11 that we plan to do this offseason. Every Monday until now, until the draft, we will have a Mock Draft Monday, breaking down a, a new Mock Draft. And today we're going to be looking at Lance Airlines mock draft from this past Wednesday where he had the Falcons taking Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks, and we'll get into all of that as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons. But before we get there, guys, uh, it's a new year, and that means a lot of people you know, have already broken their New Year's resolutions. I know I've broken my New Year's resolution, and if you were trying to eat healthier and get fit, you know, a way that you could have maintained uh, your New Year's resolution probably better if you've already broken it. Uh, or if you haven't broken it, and but you're holding on to dear life, you know, Built Bar is the way to go in order to improve your ability to eat healthier and, and, and stay fit because eating healthy can be hard. I know for me, when I've done past diet regimens, you get bored of eating the same old thing over and over again. And Built Bar uh, bring a whole lot of variety with a variety of different flavors. Uh, you know, again, they have the, the protein bars that taste like a candy bar. They're healthy. 
uh, for you. They're, they taste good. They're good for you. They're low in sugar, calories and carbs, high in protein and fiber. You can get them in a variety of flavors like coconut brownie chunk, white chocolate cookies and cream, banana cream puff bar, coconut almond, peanut butter, brownie, and so much more. All you got to do is head over to built.com. And when you do use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. So our first mock draft Monday, we are looking at Lance Zierlein of NFL.com's Wednesday mock from this past Wednesday, where he had the Falcons taking Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks with the number eight overall draft selection. And we talked about Traylon Burks on a recent, I think, Q&A back in late January, where a listener submitted a question where he basically said, I like Traylon Burks for the Falcons at eight. What are your thoughts on Traylon Burks? In my opinion, it hasn't really changed all that much on the, the idea of the Falcons taking Traylon Burks. I wasn't necessarily keen on that idea then. And the main reason why, because if I'm going to use a top 10 pick on a wide receiver, and we know that you don't necessarily need to use high picks on wide receivers, at least top 10 picks, to get quality players. We saw that in the Super Bowl, players like T. Higgins, a second-round pick, uh, players like Cooper Cup, a third-round pick, uh, Robert Woods, who wasn't in the Super Bowl, but I think was also a third-round pick several years ago, um, or second-round pick, I think, several years ago. Um, you can get quality receivers later in the draft. And so if you want to use a top 10 pick on a wide receiver, it better be a Jamar Chase. It better be a Julio Jones type of player. And I don't think Traylon Burks is that type of player. Now, part of the reason why I said that is because I didn't know Traylon Burks had that sort of um, top end speed that you typically want in that, you know, dude type of wide receiver that you're taking in, in top 10 like Julio and like Jamar Chase are. I've seen some recent... Uh, information that seems that I probably underestimated Traylon Burks' speed. I've seen some GPS tracking data that seems to suggest that he, instead of running in the four fives, which is what I estimated him to do uh, based off of watching him on film, that he may run in the four fours and may even break the into the four threes, which I think I said on that episode, he needs to run at least a four three nine before I even really give him serious consideration uh, for the top 10 pick. So he may wind up doing that and run like a four three six or something like that. So I misestimated that. And the main reason why is because watching him on film, like I didn't see a guy that was really good at creating vertical separation. Like there was a big play he had against Texas A&M where he had to push off in order to create that vertical separation to, to get, uh, down the field and get past the defender. Uh, but you do see that speed, particularly after the catch. There's a number of plays that you can see, uh, him really, you know, run away from people, uh, once he gets the ball into his hands. And that's really where Burks sort of excels, you know, after the catch. Um, he's, uh, you know, a guy that's going to get a lot of comps compared to AJ Brown. And that makes a ton of sense, you know, according to PFF. Uh, he spent over 70% of his snaps in the slot this past year. A.J. Brown was almost exclusively a slot receiver in his final year at Ole Miss. You know, Burks can run the digs, the crossers, the fades that we've seen A.J. Brown run to a high degree in Arthur Smith's offense in Tennessee. And we know that Arthur Smith's offense basically only asks his wide receivers to run a handful of routes. And those are mainly it. And, and Burks can definitely do those things. Um, so, in a previous ranking I put on Twitter, I think I had Burks at like five on my wide receiver rankings. I'll probably, because I underestimated his speed, uh, probably will knock him up to top three. I don't know if I'm going to have him uh, leapfrog guys like Jamison Williams out of Alabama or Drake London out of USC on my personal rankings. You know, I think Burks certainly fits the profile as an ex-wide receiver similar to Drake London. 
I personally like London a little bit more. I think he's a better blocker. I think he has better hands, although he did drop a number of passes this past year. I think London's probably a little bit more polished as a route runner, does a little bit better job getting separation on some of those intermediate routes, but Burks probably has some speed in terms of just pure speed, in terms of pure size and physicality in that regard. And that's what you're looking for. Then Burks definitely checks that box. But, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily keen on the idea of taking a wide receiver in the top 10. Uh, the truth is, as we, you know, unpack, you know, 10 more of these mock draft Mondays, there's probably not going to be too many players that are going to be projected to the Falcons at that eighth overall selection that I'm going to be super high on. So I'm just going to give you guys a heads up right now uh, that we may do a, a bunch of these and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's a good player. I like him as a player, but I don't love him uh, for the Falcons at that eighth overall selection. And part of that is due to, I think, this specific draft class being somewhat of a down year. And part of that is due to, I think, the Falcons are at a point in their rebuilding phase where it's hard for me to fall in love with one prospect in the first round. And I will get into exactly what I mean by that as we wrap up today's mock draft Monday. Uh, but guys, in addition to Lockdown Rams and Lockdown Bengals and all those shows on the NFL side of the podcast, of course, if you want to check out the local shows here uh, in the Georgia Atlanta area, of course, there's Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Bulldogs and Lockdown Hawks that you can find free and available on all the same podcast platforms, including Lockdown Braves and Lockdown Bulldogs here on YouTube. Uh, so as we continue today's episode, we know that football season is now over with the last game. And so you won't be able to bet on football like I was able to do, but I'm sure you can head on over to betonline.net right now and find those future props for next year's Super Bowl uh, winner. And then by all means, make sure you put in a bet there so that you can be as arrogant as I am going to be for the next, you know, let's say eight or nine months uh, by, you know, crowing about that Super Bowl pick. And of course, BetOnline is not just great for you know, picking next year's Super Bowl winner, but you can bet right now on the basketball season, which is in full swing with pro and college hoops. And it's not just basketball, it's hockey, it's boxing, it's UFC. You can even play your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online remains the best spot for all your sports and game wagering action. So head to the website today at betonline.net. Use your mobile device to sign up and you can get all the best odds totals and player props and what more in futures bets. So head on over to Bet Online where the game starts. So as I said, it's going to be hard for me this offseason to get excited about too many of these mock drafts. You know, we may get 11 deep and I'm lukewarm on all 11 of the possible selections for the Falcons pick. And you'll be like, Aaron, you don't like anybody in this draft class. And it's not that I don't like these players. I think there are plenty of these guys that, you know, when we have the value of hindsight, uh, three to five years from now that will turn into good players and whatnot. It's not that I don't think any of these guys are good. It's just hard for me to get excited about, you know, this Falcons pick because I think a number of these players, including a player, argue like Traylon Burks. So if you put him in last year's draft class, is he getting drafted ahead of Rashad Bateman, who was like the 23rd overall pick or, or whatever the case may be? Is he a top 10 pick last year? And I think that's probably true of a lot of players that are going to be mocked to the Falcons over the next, you know, two and a half months at pick number eight, like, are these guys really top 10 picks in, in most years? Or would they have been, if they were in last year's draft class or the previous year's draft class, would they have been picked, you know, 10, 15 spots later or whatever the case may be? And I, I do wonder about that because I think that's a, a testament to how down uh, or arguably down this draft class is. And so it's hard for me to get excited about guys that aren't necessarily popping as, oh, that's a guy that's a top 10 pick each and every year 
Um, and, and, you know, we're going to use the top 10 pick and that's going to raise expectations uh, for that player. But a lot of it is like the Falcons are at a point where, you know, we're in this, you know, semi rebuilding phase again, I guess we'll, we'll see how much of a rebuild the Falcons are in, but it's hard for me to get excited about one draft pick. I, I, I see so many other people build up, you know, particularly the first round pick to be the end all be all of the off season as this, this is the pinnacle of what this team. And it's like, I just look at it as like, Hey, get a good player. It's one out of potentially a dozen moves that the Falcons are going to make this off season and or next off season to get better as a football team. And while this may be arguably the most important move uh, of those dozen moves, it's just one, uh, you know, you still got to hit, you know, you can nail this pick, but if you don't get the other 11, right, or you only get three out of another 11, right, then it, how much does it really move the needle? And just to use examples, like let's say we draft a wide receiver and we've seen the Falcons try to have this one, two punch, in terms of pass catchers for the last decade, starting with Thomas Dimitrov with Julio and, and Roddy White and trading it all for Julio in that 2011 draft. Uh, but we never saw those guys outside of the 2012 season really have two peak consecutive or two uh, simultaneous, uh, you know, peak seasons um, in that. And then several years later, we bring in Calvin Ridley and then you don't really get him and Julio on the same page. Like you got half a year of Calvin Ridley playing at a high level in 2018. You got most of a year in 2019 outside of the handful of games that Ridley missed that year. Uh, and then 2020 Julio missed half that year. So all in all, you're looking at maybe two, you know, 32 ish games of, of peak production from those guys. And then you bring in Kyle Pitts and you're thinking, Oh man, you know, I said this on last year's episode. Oh man, we're going to have Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley. They're going to finally deliver on this dream that Dimitrov sold us on a decade ago. And guess what? We're about to trade Calvin Ridley. So that dream is dead. And so you're going to bring in Traylon Burks. And I like, again, I've seen this movie before where you're going to have this dream of these guys being a one, two punch. And maybe, maybe that we finally get that after a decade. But again, I've seen this story over and over again. And so it doesn't get me as excited as it would have got me a year ago or four years ago or 10 years ago, uh, as it does right now. And then you couple that with the fact that, okay, you're going to take a pat, another pass catcher, which is fine again. Um, you know, uh, but you know, when we did that in 2011, we did that in 2018, we didn't have the same concerns that we have on our offensive line. We didn't have the same concerns on our defense. And we certainly didn't have the same question marks about the future of our quarterback. No one was, you know, some people were, but very few people were questioning Matt Ryan at that time. And now we're sitting here questioning Matt Ryan. Well, you know, I'm sure some of you are like, we shouldn't be questioning Matt Ryan, but like, you know, this would be a move that clearly is the team trying to prop up what, Again, you know, sue me for saying this. Uh, I'm, I'm be as arrogant in, in saying certain things now that, you know, I've won a little bit of money. So, you know, I feel like I have carte blanche to say whatever I want. But, you know, this is a move kind of to prop up a declining quarterback at this point in time and rather than address some of the other issues. So that's part of it where it's hard for me to get excited about Traylon Burks, even if I thought, you know, he was that dude, even if I thought he was a Jamar Chase type of player, it, it probably wouldn't get me as excited as it normally would. Um, well, let's say the Falcons draft another position. Right? They don't go with the pass catcher. Let's say they draft the offensive lineman that, you know, they kind of need, but it's a one pick. It's one starting spot. You fix one out of what, three Possibly four, if you want to throw Jake Matthews in terms of his longevity here, that the Falcons may have to wind up replacing up to four of their starting offensive linemen over the next two or three years. Uh, so even if you hit on this draft pick, even if you draft Evan Neal or Charles Cross or Ike Aquino or whoever, right, it's one out of three or one out of four problems solved. You still need to solve the other two or three problems, right? 
Let's say you go with a defensive player, a pass rusher, right? And let's say, you know, we talked about before how the Falcons have gone 20 years without hitting on a homegrown pass rusher since Patrick Kearney in 1999. Let's say you draft Patrick Kearney 2.0. Let's say you draft Patrick Kearney 5.0. And this guy is, you know, way better than what Patrick Kearney was. But guess what? We've seen what having one good pass rusher does for you, whether it was Grady Jarrett this past year, whether it was, you know, six years of John Abraham, where, you know, you look at football outsiders adjusted sack rate, uh, you know, and I mentioned this when we did our edge rusher year in breakdown, that you look at that metric over the last 14 years of Matt Ryan's career, the Falcons have had an adjusted sack rate that wasn't in the bottom 10 or 12, only twice in 2008 and 2010. 2008 was primarily because Jonathan Babineau was care. I'm sorry, Jonathan Abraham. Abraham, sorry, Freudian slip. I always have Jonathan Babineau on the mind. But John Abraham was, you know, sort of single-handedly carrying that pass rush with 16 and a half sacks that season in 2008, and they were 10th in the Justin Sack rate on defense. But, you know, we had John Abraham for like six years, and that was the only time where the Falcons didn't have like a bottom 10 pass rush where they had one really great uh, pass rusher. And then you look at the 2017 season, the only other year where they were league average in adjusted sack rate at 16. And that was primarily because they had six solid pass rushers in Claiborne and Poe and Jared and Tack and Beasley and Brooks Reed. But again, the point is one great pass rusher, even if you hit on this guy and you get a one-two punch with him and Grady Jarrett, and then you wonder, uh, you know, how much longer is Grady Jarrett going to be a Falcon? And then you're back to square one if you wind up moving on from Grady Jarrett with, you know, this offseason or next offseason or whatever the case may be. So again, it's hard for me, even if you do get excited about any individual of these pass rushers, thinking that guy's going to be, you know, the next 10-plus sack guy it doesn't really solve the problem as far as your passwords goes. It's a big step in the right direction, but it doesn't solve the problem. Then you look at the cornerback position, right? Uh, you say, okay, well, let's take a cornerback and we'll get a one-two punch uh, with, you know, A.J. Terrell. Let's go get LSU's Derek Stingley or whatever the case may be. Uh, and he's going to be a superstar. And you have two elite man cover corners that you can lock down. But you look at the Ravens, they showed you this year when one of those guys gets hurt, guess what? You're scrapping that defense, right? Right. You know, if you have TJ Green as your backup cornerback, unless you have another elite man corner as your backup on that team, guess what? When you lose one of those guys and guess what? Derek Singley has a history of injury. So probably the odds are pretty high, relatively speaking, that he's probably going to get hurt in the NFL. So does that get you excited? And then you lose him for a couple of games. You're scrapping that defense. You're going back to the zone defense, Right. And you, then you're back to relying on your front four to get all the pressure and, and so much more for, you know, the quarterback. So I say all this not to be negative or doom and gloom or whatever. I'm just trying to explain to you guys why it's hard for me to get excited about one player and one pick. And I don't necessarily hype up this first round pick to be the end all be all. And we're going to do all these mock drafts Mondays, you know, 10 more to do. And I'm like, yeah, he's a good player. He's all right. But like, it, it, I'm not going to be that enthusiastic probably about any pick. Now, maybe maybe over the next 10 weeks, we'll start seeing some mocks or I'll start to be like, okay, this is the guy. But, like, it's just hard for me to get super excited uh, about the Falcons pick. I, I, You know, I know you're probably saying, like, oh, you just hate the draft. You're just a jaded, bitter old man. And it's like, yes, I am a jaded, bitter old man. I don't hate the draft. The thing that gets me excited about the draft is not really who the Falcons pick. Like, obviously, I'm eager and interested uh, and, and do have some level of excitement about who the Falcons wind up taking, but because I don't hype it up to be the end-all, be-all, and this player's going to save, single-handedly save the franchise in the ways that some of you guys talk about these draft picks, um, I don't get as excited. The thing that really gets me going when it comes to the draft is when we get there Thursday night 
and, you know, night one of the draft. It's that break point in the draft. It's the unknown nature of the draft where you don't know what's going to happen. That unpredictability where teams are going to start making these crazy picks or whatever, that break point in the draft. Like last year, who, which quarterback were the 49ers going to take at three? You know, who was the Falcons going to take at four? That that got me excited because they didn't know what was going to happen. Like those unknowns are the things that I really get excited about because it's just like, you just don't know what's going to happen. And that's what gets excited about the draft. But, you know, the Falcons pick is like, yeah, I hope they get a good player, you know, but it's just one out of, you know, a dozen moves that the Falcons are going to have to make over the next couple of years to get this team back on track. And that's, that's part of the reason um, why it's hard for me to get specifically excited about the Falcons pick. But, you know, this year is going to be an interesting draft because like, I think that for the first time in a while, we may not necessarily know who the number one pick is going to be right now, looking at various mock drafts nowadays, it seems like a lot of people are leaning towards Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal being that number one pick for the Jaguars. And it does get me excited to be like, oh, we don't even know who the number one pick's going to be. And most years, the last couple of years, we've kind of had a clue on, on who that number one guy was going to be. But I think, you know, the fact that Evan Neal might be the number one pick in this draft kind of speaks to arguably being a down class. Because if you compare Evan Neal to last year's draft, I don't think Evan Neal would have been a top 10 pick last year, right? You know, he probably, he might've gotten drafted ahead of Rashawn Slater, but he probably would have been, you know, valued in that Rashawn Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker tier in, in sort of in the 13, 14, 15 range of last year's draft. And now he's going to be the number one pick. I don't think he would have been valued over Penny Sewell. Um, and then you compare him to the last Alabama, you know, great offensive tackle. We're not talking about Alex Leatherwood, but you go back to the 2012 draft where Jedrick Wills was a top 10 pick. Like, you know, is Evan Neal a better prospect than Jedrick Wills? I don't know. Like, I think he has a higher ceiling than Jedrick Wills, but Jedrick Wills certainly had a higher floor than I think Evan Neal does. And so, you know, that, you know, how does that factor in? And then again, Jedrick Wills was the 10th overall pick and now Evan Neal is going to be the number one. So again, that kind of speaks to me in my eyes of, that this draft class may be a little bit down that, you know, some of these players that are being picked, you know, in the top five this year may not have been top five picks, top 10 picks, top 15 picks uh, a year or two ago. Uh, so, you know, it's just kind of a, just a draft where it's just kind of, you got to get through and you just got to hope that you get multiple, you know, good players over the course of this draft, but it's going to be harder for me uh, saying that uh, to get excited about any one individual mock drafts projection for the Falcons at that eighth overall pick. But if, if you, you know, get excited about the draft, I'm not here to sit here and tell you, you shouldn't get excited about the draft. Uh, I just, you know, come on the podcast and explain why I am not excited about things or why I have the opinion that I have. You are more than welcome to have your own opinion about things. And if you want to get excited about Traylon Burks, you want to get excited about Derek Stingley, then to each his own by all means, but I'm just going to sit here and tell you that when you look, listen to the mock draft Mondays, you're not going to be, <laughs> you're not going to come away from Aaron being like, yeah, this is a, this is a great pick. And this is going to be the guy. This is who, who I hopefully secretly hope the Falcons draft. None of that stuff. We're going to, you know, we're going to talk about players. We're going to talk about how they fit. And of course we're going to do that, you know, for 10 more weeks uh, this off season. And of course, you know, in addition to mock draft Mondays, uh, you know, we'll have an opportunity to do some Monday mailbag. So of course you can send in your questions via Twitter or Facebook at lockdown Falcons via email at LockdownFalcons at mail.com. And, of course, you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. So that's going to do it for us, guy, on the first Mock Draft Monday of the offseason. Uh, but uh, before we duck out of here, uh, let me plug 
you know, what your second listen should be after you make Lockdown Falcons your first listen. And of course, in addition to Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Bulldogs, and Lockdown Hawks, why not check out the Lockdown Bets podcast to check out Lee Sterling. We know in football season, betting may be over, but Lee's going to have you covered for his blowout specials, his daily picks, and his lock of the day when it comes to basketball, hockey, UFC, and so much more all off season long. So make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast uh, on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. So guys, that's going to do it for us here on Locked on Falcons. I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. I hope you in, enjoyed this football season. We we got so much more off season to come, and I hope that me not being as excited about the Falcons drafting Traylon Burks will not deter you from uh, you know future mock draft Mondays. But just giving you a heads up that it's it's not going to be one of these off seasons where it's like, oh, this is the guy, this is the you know this is everything the Falcons are going to pick, and if they get this guy, all their problems go. You know, I'm not one. I'm definitely not one of those people. So uh, just giving you a heads up for future mock draft Mondays, we can certainly talk about player fits and, and value and all these various things, but you know, we're not going to get be like, Oh my God, this is the greatest pick in the, in the history of the world. So there you guys have it. Appreciate it. Till then.